everything's coming up to to Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah. In the zone, simple dedication to the team when you're in the know. To to Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah. In the soul, lifting all the positivity for the wolves to grow. So where we going from here, man? We listen week to week to get the clearest to clear. Recaps got that. South cap got that. Team ads got that. So tell me what they do not have, huh? Question to ask, but I don't mean to go brag. But boy, they got all the stats, and they could go all the way back from KG to Zerbiak. And all I'm saying is that the cast the one stop shop for my timber wolves. Timber wolves, ain't a thing falling, everything's coming up. Timber wolves, timber wolves, falling from the autumn, ain't nobody gonna stop him. It's the timber wolves, timber wolves, phonies, you can spot them, they the sheep under their clothes. Timber wolves, timber wolves, talk a lot about them. There we go. Welcome into the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson. I'm joined, as always, by Chris Emerson. Chris, how are we doing? Uh, we're doing great, man. We're enjoying summer. And, uh, you know, I, I said, I, said uh, I don't know, three, four months ago that my summer will be complete the moment that we signed Nasri to a multi-year deal. So my summer's complete. There you go. Yeah, I and we got a lot. We got a lot to talk about when it comes to that. I'm a little surprised that he signed with us before even testing free agency, but we'll talk about that in a minute. In fact, let, let's get to it right now. Why do you think that Nas signed with us in free agency without even testing the free agency waters? Yeah, I mean, my guess is that he did test the waters, you know, meaning I think his agent talked to enough people. There's only four teams probably that can pay over the mid-level exception, which is like a little over 12 million a year for him. Mm -hmm. So out of all those teams, you know, there's like the Spurs, there's like, you know, there's about three or four of them. And three of them, I think drafted bigs. Utah was one of them. They drafted a power forward. Um, A couple other teams, you know, drafted some bigs. So they probably found out that maybe there wasn't that big of a market much over the mid-level exception. So us giving them, you know, 15 or 14 and a half or whatever it ended up being. Um, and it's really only a two-year deal. Um, the third the third year he can, Nasri can opt out himself. It's a player option. So instead of 14 million, if he thinks he's worth more than that, he can still test free agency and he's i think will still be under 26 years old so he could sign a huge deal even then yep so it's kind of a win-win for everybody i agree and the only thing it was interesting because uh i was watching like fans of other teams reacting to this not like wolf centrics podcast but like fans of like the brooklyn mets and other teams that were uh that were rumored going after now it's like the lakers and maybe the clippers and they were really surprised. They were really surprised that he signed without testing a free agency. But I got to be honest, I could not be happier. In fact, I came out, we came out with the video on this channel saying that priority number one was to sign Nas Reed. And that's exactly what we did. So check mark on that one. So what do you, what do you think? Do you think that we're going to go into the season with 
three big men and rotate all of them? Or do you think a Cat and or Rudy, but most likely Cat trade is coming? Or do you think it's coming in the future? What do you think? I think Tim Connolly knows what he's doing. Um, I'm going to put that out there just from the beginning. I think what happens is Tim Connolly would is going to be happy to trade Cat the moment he thinks there's a good deal on the table. I think that he probably tried to trade Cat in the like currently and before the draft or soon after. I think he can only be traded in about a week or something like that. Right. The 29th, I think. Isn't it the 29th? I, I want to say it was the 7th. Was it? Oh, look it up. Keep talking. <laughs> it's something like that. Um, and uh, so I think if if a good deal showed itself, I think he would trade him. And I think it's very possible that since he can't be traded yet, that there might be a deal out there. Like, I wouldn't. it wouldn't blow my mind if – the day that Carl Anthony Towns is eligible to be traded, um, the Blazers call and say, we're going to send some of our young talent, even as much as the number three pick, Scoot Henderson. You think they trade Scoot? The you think they do it? I think they had nothing to lose in drafting him. Like everyone was thinking that them drafting Scoot at three, you know, means that they're, they're going with the youth movement and, I don't know how that means that it probably means that they didn't see a deal that they liked for three and they know everyone who wanted three, the third pick was going to draft scoot anyways. So they might as well bring that asset in and keep negotiations. So um, I don't think it fully means that they're out on, on Dame, Dame Lillard being there, but right. maybe it does. And even if it does, Dame Lillard's going to have to go somewhere mm-hmm. and moving you know, $47 million or whatever he's making is a hard thing to do in the NBA. So if there's a $37 million guy named Carl Anthony Towns that can be used in to help out this trade one way or another, and we bring back assets we want, I mean, that's another option. So I think Tim Connolly is just waiting for the deal to be right. Um, I think 365 days from now, Carl Anthony Towns is probably going to be traded. Um, it's just a matter of when, and the only trouble with holding on to him is, you know, the longer it goes timeline, the closer till the time when every team knows that we have to trade them, you know, like right. we, we lose leverage, the longer we hold on to them. So it's going to be a balancing act between us lo- losing leverage saying, well, we'll just keep playing. I mean, we'll go to someone else uh-huh. or, um, you know, between losing leverage and grabbing the package we want, um, Tim Connolly is going to have to juggle that. And I, I believe in him currently to be able to do that. So would you do this? Would you do Anthony Simons and Scoot for Cat? Yes. I would too, 100%. Particularly, I don't know if I'd do it if we didn't have Nas locked up. But now that we have Nas right. locked up, I, d- I don't see why not. Why not? For sure. I mean, Cat and goes away. Cat Cat can be great in some games. Obviously, he had the sixty points two years ago against the Spurs, so we know that he can be elite. But I mean, he's only like a two-time third All NBA player. I mean, he's not. I, I I guess I shouldn't have said elite. We know he can be good, but I I don't know if he's the elite player that we thought that he might be when we drafted him first overall. But we will have. To. Yeah, go ahead. And he might need a new, he might just need new surroundings. Like we might be asking him to do 
we might not be asking him to do everything he need he can do. Maybe we're not pushing him enough because he's kind of our golden boy because he was the number one pick. Um, there's a lot of things in there. I mean, he's a great – he can give you 24 and 13 probably. He could probably average that, you know. But I don't know if those are going to – I don't know if that's going to have a lot of wins tied to it. Like, I don't know if his numbers are completely – sometimes I think his numbers are pretty hollow. So. Right. Yeah, I would take that deal for two reasons. One, I don't fully believe in Scoot as this next coming of anything special. Um, I, he might be great. He might be. But there's a lot of ifs. Mm-hmm. So if I can get a sure thing with um, Anthony Simons where I know that he can at least give you 20 points a game. Right. I know that he can at least give you effective three-point shooting. I know that he can at least give you something. You give me that and Scoot as a wild card upside guy, I'd love it. Yeah. Or I would take Simons and um, and their their fifth pick or sixth pick that they got last year in Sharp Shannon, Shannon yeah, sure. Sharp. He he beat us at Target Center at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, he can he can put it up too. My that was my pick for the worst game of the year. That that one where yeah, we I remember that where we were going in like okay we got to win like I went to that game by thirty. Yeah, yeah. I, I was telling my friend like I want to be up twenty five and a half. Like, yes. And then they just kept hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. And then all of a sudden <laughs> they they get the victory. But, you know, it, it's in the past, too. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Shaden Sharp either. I'm not sure. I've heard a lot of hype on Scoop or sorry, Scoot. Um, I yeah, I don't know. Who knows if he's going to be a wor- deal, a world breaker kind of uh, point guard. But who better to learn from? than a proven veteran like Mike Conley at point guard. Exactly. I mean, exactly. And, yeah. and I think you're talking, I mean, talking about point guard, I think that's the biggest concern about all this for me is at some point, the elephant in the room is we don't have a lead ball handler play creator um, that's trending to be on our team going forward. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not, not sure. Anthony Edwards, can be that guy. I'm not sure he's wired to be a facilitator. And to be honest, I'm not sure I want him to be. Right. Um, I understand that to reach his max everything, you know, a Jason Tatum type, a Luka Doncic, a, you know, Harden, where he's got the ball in his hands, he's scoring and he's creating for others, is sort of the is sort of the mold. But there's also something where I like the ball to swing to to Edwards and I like him to attack all the time. Right. Like I want I, I don't mind his mindset to be 100 percent attack, just constant pressure, constant coming at you, constant mm-hmm. scoring. I, I don't mind that. Um, so we need some sort of guard in any way that can help. We literally don't have we have more junior who we drafted last year, who I'm not a fan of, um, is the only guard on our roster after this year yep. other than Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. So like, we don't have a backup point guard. We don't have a starting point guard. We don't have a backup shooting guard. Like we've got a lot of holes at the guard position. So that's where a car Anthony towns trade kind of needs to center around for me is guard play. And there's some teams out there that have some interesting developments with extra guards going on right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, for sure. So, so let's talk about uh, something else that happened in the NBA 
today. I kind of wanted to mention it. We'll go back to the Wolves in a second. But the guy that has been rumored to have been traded about for about, I don't know, five years now, finally got salary dumped for Rudy Gay and like a second-round pick. We're talking about John Collins, of course. There were John Collins rumors, I think, maybe two years ago. I remember we did a video that said, will John Collins be a Timberwolf? Obviously, the answer was no. But, I mean, is this just a salary dump for Atlanta to do something else, or is there anything more to it? I It didn't make much sense to me. There has to be – I. One of the one of the more confusing things in the NBA over the last half decade to me has been John Collins. Um, I liked him in the draft because what I remember was he was a super athlete who also scored super efficiently in the post. So I'm like, well, you know, that's something. So he's been like a a productive player. He doesn't seem to be a headache. He seems to be a guy that's fine that being a hustle guy, being a guy you don't need to run a lot of plays for, and he's still impactful. I don't understand how almost immediately after drafting him and him having success his rookie year, Atlanta has been on the war path to try to trade him. Mm-hmm. And not only trade him, but they went out of their way to bring in other power forwards. They brought in um, Capella. Gallinari. They brought in Clint Capella. They drafted in the top five. They drafted um, the dude with the with the O name. I can't pronounce. Okongwu. Yeah, Okongwu. They they drafted him in the top five. Um, they just kept on making moves to add more bigs when it looked like they should be fine with with Collins, and then he's always in trade rumors. So I don't know. I don't know what what's going on there, but mm-hmm. something seems fishy because it seems like they did not get any value for him at all no and i mean obviously the wolves are in no like need for a big right now obviously (laughs) but i mean you give them torian prince and like a second round pick and (laughs) maybe yeah maybe maybe he's wearing timberwolves blue uh this coming season but uh, it seems weird to me and then on the utah side of it it's it's gonna be an interesting front court uh walker kessler and uh and Laurie Markinen and John Collins. I mean, those are, I mean, as much as we wish we had Walker Kessler or whatever, that's that's in the past. But, I mean, it, it should be an interesting backcourt for Utah. I don't think, particularly if they hold on to Jordan Clarkson and Laurie Markinen going forward, they, they're going to be at least in the playoff, conver- not playoff, but play-in conversation, I think. Well, and then that's, not for, I mean, the thing about the Jazz is that, um, to Hendricks in the 16th pick, who is a lot of is one of the best power forwards in the draft. So now they're looking at a pretty deep bench of, of bigs as well. Um, I like, I like Utah. I think they can play. They need some more, you know, they need a guard who will pass maybe a little bit more than, than Clarkson, but they'll figure it out. They've got 255 draft picks. So. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I, I feel like in talking from an Atlanta standpoint, I don't think they're done. I, I don't I, – I don't know. I think there's something going forward, whether that's, I mean, a potential DeJounte Murray to Minnesota thing. Maybe they go after Cat. I don't know. But I, I don't think they're done. I think they might move on from Collins and maybe DeJounte Murray as well and try to get a second star for Trey because, I don't know, in one year is a short um, is a short audition for to see if it works. But 
I mean, they barely made the playoffs. They gave the Celtics a little bit of a run. In They took them to six games, but it was clear the Celtics were the better team. And I don't think, even though Miami made that run, I don't think that the Atlanta had the pieces to make a run to the NBA Finals this year. But well, yeah, well, I don't know if I don't know if you said they didn't have the pieces. I think they have the pieces. They just somehow don't play well together. Like if I yeah. look at Atlanta's roster, it looks like it looks like a top two, top three roster in the NBA. Every time I look at it, like they're so deep, they've got so much talent, but none of it just works. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand Atlanta very much at all. I don't know why they've been so poor, but you know, it is what it is with them. Um, and I don't know if they are going to keep Trey over Murray. Like it's possible they'll move Trey instead of Murray. Well, I, I do not to make this an Atlanta Hawks talk f- podcast, but I do, I, I do wonder that they did go out and get a new coach to try to um, tender or try to appeal to Trey. So I think yeah. they they would give it at least till the trade deadline to yeah. try to try it out. And I don't know. It just depends if they do they think that Trey is the going to be the face of the franchise going forward because they, there's there's one thing to trying to build a championship, and the Wolves obviously are trying to build to a championship with a generational talent like Anthony Edwards, but. There's also something to like those Indiana Pacers teams did for years with like Paul George and Danny Grace or Granger. There's something to being relevant. Yeah. Um, recent that maybe you don't win a championship, but hey, you're selling tickets, you're selling out the fortress, as they call it, uh, the Hawks Arena. I forget what it's called, but there, there's something to there, there's something to being relevant and having a guy that people want to go see every night. Buy their jersey for sure. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. So let's speaking of new jerseys, as we saw on the intro, uh, let, let's talk about uh, the Wolves in the draft. Now they did uh, move up to get uh, Leonard Miller. Um, and they, they moved I'll, up I'll to talk get... a little bit about Leonard Miller right off the bat. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I got to pause. It. Okay, go ahead. Yep, I'm a big Leonard Miller fan. Um, last before last year's draft, he was in the draft last year, not this year that just happened, but the year before. Yep. Um, as as a as the youngest kid in the draft, he was this nobody knew him guy out of uh, out of Canada. Um, super long, point guard skills, super raw athlete. Um, and I loved everything I saw about him, especially as a sec, you know, a high second rounder, take a shot at him. Um, that's kind of where we were drafting. And I'm like, let's, this is the kind of guy you put on your roster and in three years, maybe he'll be something, you know? So then he went Uh to ignite last year um, to play beside Scoot. And, um, he was good, like average, a double, double filled into his body. He's, you know, got thicker, like stronger. He grew another handful of inches and now he's 6'10". Um, I think he's grown five inches in like two years or something. Um, and he is just one of the craziest athletes in the NBA. And not so much like when you think athlete, you think um, like a freak jump high kind of athlete. But he's got like Nas Reed sort of handles 
He's got, um, you know, maybe McDaniels type footwork for a big guy to like stay in front of guys to move. Like he's not known as a defender yet, but I mean, he's so young, but he's got the agility and the body control to do things that most people at 6'10 don't do. So I'm excited to see what he's going to be like. I don't think it's going to be a this year type thing, but mm-hmm. it's possible that with this two-year contract with Nas Reed, that he is the Nas Reed replacement in two years if need be. Yeah, um, yeah, you, that's what he, he said, if need be. Like, yeah, if he doesn't, if Nas Reed doesn't decide to say, and it's possible, like if Nas Reed, Nas Reed uh, continues to get the kind of minutes and kind of exposure, he, we could be looking at 100 or a hundred million for Nas at some point potentially. Yeah. And who knows if we'll be able to do that. Also uh, going back to the cat thing. One thing I wanted to mention is at some point we're going to need to pay ants and we're going to need to pay Jaden. If that is our, if, if that is the plan and yeah. I think it is. So, I mean, getting, getting rid of cat will be vital for that, but yeah, I, I like it. Do, do you question at all um, that? Now, you, you did mention that he's kind of a project and kind of young, but do you question at all us taking a forward when, like you said, uh, we we only have one guard on our roster through the next season? Do you worry about that at all? Or um, I would have been very interested to see if um, – oh, now I forget his name. But there was a there was a Nick's – real average name, Nick Smith or Nick – I forget he was from I think he was from Arkansas. Um but he went Nick just Smith, a couple wait, Nick Nick Smith Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a guy that I liked as a point guard and he went just a couple picks before us. And it yeah. would have been interesting to see what happened if he was on the board because like you said, we're so dry at guard position. But the fact that we didn't tells me two things. It means we either very, very we coveted Miller, which I do believe is a possibility because he has that sort of upside that um, I could see a team going out and coveting. But it also might mean we know that there's something happening with Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. Um, is it – I mean, talking about guards, I said there are some teams that had a lot of guards. One team that has the most guards on their roster, even last year, was the Orlando Magic. Um, and not only do they have a ton of guards last year, but then they went out and they drafted, um, they drafted, uh, I forget his, something black. What's his first name? Um, oh, look, think of it as, drafted in the top 10. Um, Anthony black, who is a, who is a point guard kind of that I really like. He's a big guy. He's maybe six, 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 seven. But he's a he's you know can defend three positions. He's um, an elite passer, not much of a shooter yet. But so they went and drafted you know a point guard when they've got Fultz, they've got Anthony, they've got Suggs, they've got all these high draft picks, all these potential stars or what they think are quality players playing that position. So at some point they might have to move two of those guys. So I wonder if. I mean, it wouldn't blow my mind if there was a trade that we already have in the works with, you know, Orlando Magic mm-hmm. to, to do something. I mean, there's so many teams out there that are so – their roster is so unbalanced with guards that it, it seems like there's something going on. But 
We'll, we'll find out. Like, well, I'm not done with the roster yet. Who would you want from Orlando? Like, who of those guards would you want? I would take Fultz. I would take Black. And I would take um, – I really like Jet Howard. So if you could take the equivalent of Market you know, Fultz and then it was like the number eight pick and maybe the number 24, you give me that and, you know, some salary filler for Cat, I would take it. I don't know if you would get Car- Wendell Carter Jr. and Fultz and maybe a guy I would like. I like Fultz more than Anthony. Anthony, I know a lot of people are high on. He's got more spark maybe, you know, more of a shooter. But mm-hmm. Fultz is kind of a bulldog. He's kind of a downhill attacker. He's strong. He's a defender. I think his mindset would work well next to um, Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. All right, so do we know much? I honestly don't know much about Jalen Clark. Do you know anything about him? Or is he just kind of a late round? Well, well, he was the defensive player of the year in the NCAA, Okay, in, in all of the NCAA. He's uh, he's an elite wing stopper. Um, I mean, just shuts everybody down on the wing. So he's a defender. He can't really shoot much. He can't really do much else right now. But he can defend at a super high level. And what I love about that, and he's a little bit older, he's a junior. Let's say that this second round pick doesn't turn out to be a superstar, which is 99% the chance, you know, right. if he just ends up being a bulldog defender, that's six, five, and he's the last guy on our bench for five, six, seven years. When it comes to practice time, that's what you want. You want a guy that can go at Anthony Edwards every day. You want a guy that can go at your point guard, switch on him, and defend him at a high level. You want guys that can make your team better, maybe not on the court, but maybe off the court in the practice realm. So I think even the floor for this guy being a great practice player and, you know, the last guy on your bench getting paid nothing, I think is a huge asset to have on our team. And then the upside, you know, Tim Connolly says they had him as a, as a lottery pick. So before he blew his Achilles out, so he blew his Achilles out right before March Madness. So um, who knows? I remember that. Right. That's right. Yeah. So he could end up being something special. um, But at the worst case scenario, he'll just be a really good practice player, which if you can get that at one of the last picks in the draft, I think it's a win. Absolutely. And really, unless you're drafting Jokic at 44, it's really, like you said, it's really a crapshoot. Uh, at the end of and it's the, not the even a, it's really not even a crapshoot they're all bad like it's like right. one in a million like it's mm-hmm. such a it's so crap i mean it's it's strictly needle in the haystack maybe every three years you'll find a second rounder that becomes a legitimate starter year in and year out like it just doesn't happen so right. if you can get anything any asset out of him it's a great it's a great step so let, let's move forward away from the draft. Let's talk about free agency. Obviously, our, our big free agent is already a done deal. Uh, Jaden McDaniel, no, sorry, uh, Nas Reed signing the, signing the contract. But who are some guys that you think we should look at uh, free agent-wise? Because it starts tomorrow. So who are some guys that could be uh, on a plane to Minnesota tomorrow or in the coming days? If I had to pick a guy that's, you know, not going to make much, or maybe, I don't know, but that I would take on our roster right now, it would be Dennis Smith Jr. 
Okay. Um, he was a, he played point uh, in well he was a top five pick. Went to Dallas, I think maybe the Knicks, and sort of fizzled out. Elite athlete, like top of the top of the food chain athlete. Um, but last year he played. He came back from playing overseas and played for Charlotte. And when he started for Charlotte, um, when everybody was hurt, he was very effective. Um, and he, you know, had nice assist to turnover ratio. Had some big games. And we're not going to hit on finding some superstar more than likely. So if we mm. can just find role players that can be a good backup point guard, like we don't have a backup point guard that's NBA ready in my mind. Like we need that. If we're going to be a playoff team, we're going to need that. So I would say best backup point guard available. And then if you have any money left over, find whoever is just a flamethrower shooter and put him on the roster and we'll, we'll be, I'll be happy. So interesting that you say that because I'm going through uh, some of the s- some of the free agents tomorrow um, and looking at some of them. A guy I like, I always love the last name. Uh, how about a, like a Seth Curry on a on a small deal? Also, Bruce yeah. Brown is out there. If you want shooting, uh, Bird writes. I know he plays small forward, but some shooting off the bench, maybe like a Joel Ingles. Uh, I love Joe Ingles, yeah. yeah and he can that. pass. He can do a little bit of everything. He's a good vet. He's kind of like a, a guy that you can run a little offense through and let him create for others. Um, yeah, I mean, there's guys out there I would love to have. I just don't know. A lot of the guys like Joe Ingles, for example, he's going to search out for a situation that's best for him. He's not looking really for probably dollar right. signs that much. So I don't know if ours would be that situation, but it might be. Uh, uh, another, another guy that I mentioned in a video. Now he is a restricted free agent. Um, but Hey, if you need a backup point guard, maybe bring back Trey Jones. I don't know. I like, Hey, I would give the mid-level exception the very first day of, of, of it to him and say, Hey, if you want it, come get it. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah. It would be great. I mean, that's all we can offer is 12, like 12.2 a year right now is the max. Right. Or we can break that up in pieces, but all we have is $12 million to work with. So it now, gets a little you, tight. Let's say we offered them like 10 to 12 million. Do you think the Spurs would match it? Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking um, the Spurs Jones. Uh, Trey, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't if I was the Spurs, because I don't, I don't think they see him as like a anything special going forward. Maybe so, like they mm-hmm. don't really have a need for that. But maybe they would. I don't know. Also, now I know he's gonna get uh, some more money. Uh, what about like a coming in point guard? We saw him in the NBA Finals. Maybe he'll be asking for too much. But a Gabe Vincent potentially. Okay, Vincent would be solid. Uh, Schroeder would be solid. If Schroeder. I don't know, I mean, any. I'm telling you, I would take almost any point guard that we can get. Like we're gonna need help at the guard position. But the other thing, the one guy that we, I don't think we should sign. I said this in a video earlier. I think, I think we've seen the last game of uh of Jalen Noel in the Timberwolves uniform. Yeah, and I think that's 
for everybody. I, I think that um, that might be best for Noel. Maybe he needs new scenery. Maybe he needs uh, something new. But um, as I've been saying for a long time with Noel, uh, guys' skill set are not hard to find. Um, if you're looking for a guy right. who's, you know, a, a, a point guard, shooting guard combo um, with really no passing ability and, and really just tries to score every time he touches the ball, you're going to find mm-hmm. six or seven of those in the second round every single game. I mean, I'm sure the NCAA leader in scoring almost every year is a guy with that same mentality from a smaller school that just puts up points. You know, I know that I think the guy who was three points short of the all time NCAA record in scoring got picked up on a two way contract. Um, I think he was out of Detroit. So, I mean, Guys like that are easy to find. So, no, I have no interest in Noel at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, a couple other names here that I'm seeing uh, potentially uh, getting higher cut. Co- uh, another guy, I know he's a small forward, but maybe take a chance on like a TJ Warren. I feel like he's yeah, he's kind of he, – Yeah, and he, he's basically – I mean, he's got kind of the same game as Jalen Noel. I know he's not a guard, but he's a guy that just attacks the basket. I loved him. When he was in Phoenix, yeah. like I wanted to buy his jersey because I I loved T.J. Warren. He's had some injury, uh, he's he's had some injury problems, but at the right price, I wouldn't mind him. Well, if I remember right, his last healthy year might have been two years ago, and he put up huge numbers. Like he can play. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, bring them all in. You know, I'll, I'll take them. Like yeah. I, you gave me Nas Reed. Anything else is. And truthfully, Leonard Miller was big for me. I was a big fan. I, I was very – it's always good when there's a guy you really like and you've been kind of following, and then your team drafts him. Like, it feels good. So that was good for mm-hmm. me. Um, I'm pretty happy with the offseason already. Just give me a backup point guard, but, and then we'll see what happens. And then anything with this cat, cat front uh, is just icing on the cake for me. Right, absolutely, for sure. So it'll be an interesting day tomorrow uh, with free agency. It's almost like early Christmas because I feel like I'm going to get home from work and see like uh, 600 or 60 people sign with new teams. Oh, yeah. it's, it's like the tra- trade deadline is the best. I actually, I I don't know, I forget what the occasion was, but I for some reason had the trade deadline off. So I was, I was on the computer. Obviously, the Wolves didn't do anything, but... I mean, it was fun to watch other oh, it's players. So fun. The shoot. NBA yeah. is got it figured out how to keep people engaged 24 7, 365. Mm-hmm. And then one more thing that I wanted to mention uh, here is Rudy Gobert obviously gave up a lot of picks for him, gave up a lot of equity, blah, blah, blah. But he did announce that he is going to play for his home country of France in the FIBA thing uh a lot of he's getting a lot of backlash i saw like score north saying oh it means he doesn't care about the timberwolves or whatever but do you read into that that at all or is this just a guy who wants to be patriotic and play for his team while he can i mean anthony edwards is playing for his team right he's playing for the u.s i don't see anyone talking crap about that um Mm. the thing is is go gobert got hurt last year doing it so I would hope that, I mean, that can happen anytime. I just hope he's healthy. 
I don't mind guys playing high level basketball as much as they can. I'd rather have put it this way. I'd rather have Rudy Gobert playing against, you know, Giannis and all the other top NBA players in FIBA and when he's over in France than Carl Anthony Towns, what he's doing in France right now, which is going to the GQ magazine like dinners. You know, like I'd rather have a guy <laughs> you know, in the gym, working on his game, playing high-level basketball, then a guy, you know, relaxing, living his his vacation, which he has a right to be on vacation. I'm not trying to say right. he has to be basketball right. 24-7, but if he is basketball 24-7, I like that a little better. Um, right. And remember, in FIBA, that's where they use Rudy a little bit more like we wanted to, where he's, where he's more aggressive offensively. So, Maybe this is just getting him more touches and that'll end up paying off for us long-term with a little bit more offensive game. We'll see. Absolutely. And it's interesting, and this isn't really a comment on the FIBA thing, but I just noticed it. I was watching some highlights uh, just from the past season, you know, like the 10-minute videos they put on YouTube, which are so nice. You can watch a game in about 10 minutes. Uh, but I was noticing, like, for example – the uh, like the play-in game against the second one against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I, I knew watching this when I was at the game. So you didn't you you were more into the game. You didn't like analytically watch the game, yeah. but we just like I think, and I know it's going to be different because they have Chet Holmgren coming back and whatever. But we just killed them in the paint, like all day long, and I think that's why Cat had such a good game. Rudy had such a good game. Like, they had no answers. We were getting offensive rebounds, which we never do. Um, and, yeah, we just we just steamrolled them in the paint. So, I think you see footage like that and, like, hey, maybe we got something here. Well, here's the deal. When you have Cat. That, that, that's without Nas, too. Yeah, when you have Cat and Rudy, I don't think people are like, well, you have to stagger them or whatever. If you put that much assets into these Giants – I think what you have to do is lie going as big as humanly possible. Like next year, I'm going to want to see Nas play some three or slow-mo play some three. I want to see Cat, Rudy, slow-mo. Maybe, maybe, maybe a lineup of Cat, Rudy, Nas, um, McDaniels, and, and um, Edwards. Or maybe not Nas, maybe um, slow-mo in there. So, I mean, give me – the biggest, the biggest guys we can possibly do, um, and and just punish guys. Do the whole mouse in the house thing. Like go, whoever right. whoever has the guard on him, whoever has a six six guy on our six ten guy, just clear yeah. out and post him up because it's going to happen all day long with that roster. Right, absolutely. And you'll deal and with teams like you'll, you'll deal with the transition yeah. D or whatever the trouble is. You'll deal with that. You'll deal with it. But, like, what we're going to do is hopefully never be out-rebounded and we should crush everyone in the paint. And if we don't, then we need to blow it all up because it's not working. Also, I, I just want to mention this. I, I remember at the beginning of the season, Ant wasn't playing too well, and it was all like, oh, it's too crowded in the paint. You know what happened during the playoffs? Ant was dominant no matter who was on the floor. So I think – I think it showed growth for Ant. Like, he's learning to play in different situations. It just took some time. Like, people at the beginning of the season were talking, 
oh, it's going to take time for Rudy and Cat to play together. Well, how about the star of the team learning how to play with two big men? And I think he's yeah. absolutely learned how to do that. Well, he was quoted early in the season or mid season. He said that never in his basketball career of any kind, talking all the way back, had he played with a big man that rolled. Never. Never in his like uh-huh. AAU, never in high school, never in college. All the big men he's ever had would pick and pop, always. So uh-huh. all of a sudden now you've got this big guy that rolls. That creates a whole different kind of confusion on the defense. That puts people in different spots that he's not used to seeing. So, yeah, it's going to take – it took him a while to get used to it. And once he learns to do the little drop-off, to throw a little floater to him, to, to go bear, he can easily get three or four more assists a game just on those easy plays, and it's going to – Oh, absolutely, yeah. He can – he has the – I don't know if he ever will, but he he could be like a triple-double guy. Yeah. He, he has the potential. Yeah. Like, he's got the tenacity to go after the rebounds. Yep. We've seen that. The scoring's not a problem. I'm not worried about the scoring at all. No. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, if you got big guys you can lob it to. Yeah. Like, that. that's how Trey Young does it. I watch – because my friend's a big Atlanta fan. Yeah. I watch him all the time. He just uh, – and because teams don't know what he's going to do. They don't know if he's going to do that little floater or he's going to lob it up to, well, then John Collins. But I guess a Gongwu – and Clint Capella too. So, right. I mean, he, he, his assist numbers can only go up. And I, and one more thing I want to mention, we just to backtrack a little bit, you were mentioning we want to see Ant play off the ball. I think if he can get the ball and the defense is already moving, that's just going to help him with the attack anyway. Because if he's just, you know, trying to one-on-one, I like to say James Harden it, like just do a one-on-one, try to attack by himself. I mean, that's, that, that that's a lower chance of success. If For he's sure. if the ball's zipping around and he gets it like with 15 seconds left on the shot clock and he can attack from there, and then we got two big guys crashing the glass. Like I like our chances of scoring a bucket. There's a real there's a real version of this team that is dangerous. And I mean, if Rudy Gobert's setting a pick, pick and roll for Anthony Edwards, who's going downhill. You got Carl Anthony Towns spread out to the three-point line, bringing his big out there at one side. You've got, you know, McDaniels either cutting or spreading out to his three-point line on the other side. Um, you've got some real dangerous things happening. So it's going to be exciting no matter what happens. I agree. And uh, I think we'll put a pin in it there. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, no problem, man. And uh, this is the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. We're trying to get – to 200 subscribers so if you're not subscribed yet please hit the subscribe button it'll help us a lot we got tons of videos coming up as the wolves make moves uh in pre-agency and the offseason as well of course if a cat trade or rudy trade but probably a cat trade happens we'll be all over it with podcasts and individual videos as well gm corners coming your way so make sure to stay tuned to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves YouTube channel. And as always, go Wolves.